Hey, and welcome to the Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you will hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Okay, so behind this podcast is a very real family with passions and burdens and preferences just like you. And I don't know about you, but I like to know where my money is going when I spend it. So we want you to know where your money goes when you support this podcast. So when you give to this podcast, the Weather Channel podcast, you are allowing us to give to the causes that we are most passionate about foster care, adoption, caring for widows, ministering to prisoners, and to Christians who are persecuted around the world. We are passionate about being able to give financially to the people God has burdened our hearts for, and when you give to our podcast here at the Weather Channel, you are ultimately supporting these ministries, which, by the way, we have thoroughly vetted. You can give safely to the Weather Channel podcast at allychristian.com slash podcast, and you can give by simply donating one time or you can start donating monthly. Either way, we are so grateful for your support in helping us continue this podcast and give to the ministries that we are most passionate about. Hey, Christy, welcome to the Weather Channel. Thank you. Yes, it is so good to have you here, friends. Today, I have Christy Walker with me, and I am so excited for you to be able to hear her story. I am so super excited to be able to hear this story, especially because Christy is a cancer survivor and it is just really, really a blessing to be able to chat with other cancer survivors. Those of you who are survivors know that there's just an instant camaraderie that you have with somebody who has been through a similar war as you. So Christy, thank you for being here. Would you share a little bit about yourself with my audience? Sure. Um, I have been married to my husband, Jody, for 12 years. We met in college and um, we live in Fort Worth, Texas, and we have four kids. We have three boys, um, they're nine, seven, four, and then we have a baby girl, Scotty Grace, and she'll turn two this summer. So we're busy and life is crazy good right now. So sweet. I love that her name is Scotty. Where did you get that? Uh, my grandmother is the most incredible person, and she is someone who um, went through a stroke and had her whole life flipped upside down, and she just kept choosing joy, and I wanted to name her after her because um, she just, I want to be so much like her when I grow up, when I grow up, when I get older. <laughs> That's funny. But um, anyways, her maiden name was Scott. Her name was Molly Scott, so we oh, named her after her. I love that. And y'all are in Texas. Were you yes. born and raised there or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I did a one-year stint in California in college and moved back quickly okay. and we went to school in Abilene at ACO. Okay. Sweet. So you were yeah. a Texas girl through and through. I am. Oh yes. my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. And we are going to be chatting today about cancer and about the battle that you have been through. So would you share with us your diagnosis? First. Sure. It's still kind of crazy to me sharing it because sometimes it just still blows my mind that this is our story, yeah. but, um, we were, that. yeah, I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. We were kind of just 
living our dream life. We had three boys and we um, love Fort Worth and we love where we're at and we're close to family and have sweet friends. And our life was just pretty quote normal. Um, I've been active and healthy my whole life, but in October of 2019, I felt a lump in my neck and, um, I didn't think anything of it cause I had no other symptoms. It was, it was hard to the touch. Um, but I showed some nurse friends and everybody that I showed to just kind of, you know, thought it was probably nothing and just my lymph nodes acting up. And so I, I kind of ignored it for months. And then we found out we were pregnant in December um, of that same year. And I went to my first OB appointment and showed him and he sent me to an ENT to get it checked out. And it was a friend of mine from college actually. And he did a scope and right away he said, we for sure need to biopsy this. This does not look normal. So he rushed the biopsy and right before Christmas, I was super sick at the time because I was pregnant. So it was kind of just a rough time in general. And um, I just remember that Christmas, I just laid around a lot and we were just waiting for results of if this biopsy was cancerous or not. And so um, the 28th of December, I went in to my OB appointment to, it was our first appointment to check her heartbeat and to see if it was um, a viable pregnancy. And so we heard her heartbeat and everything looked great. And then we went into my OB's office and um, he said, have you guys gotten the diagnosis yet? And we hadn't, we hadn't heard anything. So at that time he told me that I, that the tumor came back as positive for diffuse large B cell lymphoma. And I didn't know what that was. I knew nothing about lymphoma, nothing about cancer. I didn't have cancer in my family. It was a, a complete shock to us. And at that time, I had never even heard of anybody going through cancer while pregnant. So we just had all these thoughts of, are we going to have to choose this baby's life or my life? And God, what are you doing? And just the timing of it was pretty awful. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And what I always ask this question because I think it's, it's just such a critical moment, but what, what were your thoughts immediately? Like, I know that you said, God, what are you doing? But yeah. what were your f- immediate feelings? Right. And- and- this makes me tear up, but uh, my immediate thoughts were, I want this baby. So yeah. Yeah. That, that makes me yeah. tear up too. <laughs> yeah. And now that I have her and of she's course. precious and perfect. And yeah. It's just crazy thinking about that. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the next few days, like processing the diagnosis, what, what did that look like? I feel like this is an overlooked part of a cancer diagnosis are like the first like three days, because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we hear about the time in the doctor's office when we get the diagnosis and then chemotherapy and then the end result. Yeah. That's such a great question because it is a lot in that moment. I, um, we're, we're blessed with just sweet, sweet family that loves us. And so one of the most heartbreaking things was calling all of them, you know, it's like, it's exhausting and heartbreaking and you're trying to be comforted yourself. And then you're, you want to comfort others that are heartbroken for you. And so all of that is just so overwhelming telling everybody and not wanting to do it through a text because it's such a hard thing. Um, and then trying to be brave for them when you yourself are terrified and scared. Yeah. How old were your kids at the time? Um, I had a kindergartner and, 
a f- almost four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay. Were, did you tell them or did you not? No. Yeah. We, well, I, I was crazy sick this pregnancy, like just throwing up all the time and um, slept a lot. And so I think they already knew that I wasn't feeling good. And so we just kind of, they had no idea what cancer was. And I just didn't see a point to scare them. So we just kind of warned them that mommy's going to go through some, we're going to take some medicine that's going to cause me to lose my hair. And we went into all of that, but they didn't have any idea that people actually die from cancer, you know? I think even now they like know more, but I think when they get older, they're going to be like, oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) They just don't really have context right now. Yes. That is so funny. We we did the same thing. Like, I mean, I think my kids, their hearts. Yes. I think my kids are just learning that people die from cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, it's funny, but it's not. (laughs) I know. Um, Yeah. We just lost a neighbor and, um, to cancer and who we knew pretty well. And my kids were like, he, he died from cancer. Like yeah. they just, it was, and for me, that was eye opening to realize yeah. they really did not realize. Um, yeah. but I think that's a compliment to you as a parent that they weren't terrified, you know, yeah. hopefully they don't necessarily even experience any trauma. Yes, um, I agree. So they kept getting COVID and cancer mixed up. So they would like tell people I had COVID. (laughs) Like, no, no, no. Oh my gosh. That's hysterical. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so many questions. Um, but tell us about what your treatment looked like and the timeline. Give us a quick snapshot. Yeah. So, um, you can do chemotherapy while you're pregnant and, but you have to wait till your second trimester. So I was only eight weeks when I was diagnosed. So we had to wait a couple months um, for to start treatment. And the cancer I have is pretty aggressive. So we could physically see my tumor growing in my neck while we waited. And when I started chemo, it looked like I had a ping pong ball inside the left side of my neck. Mm. And then I couldn't do a PET scan since I was pregnant. And so we did the scans they could do and my doctor thought I was probably stage one, but they didn't know for sure. So I was, um, supposed to do six rounds of RCHOP, which is a pretty heavy chemotherapy. And, um, so I did after one round, my tumor was gone. I can, I couldn't feel it anymore. And, um, and so after four rounds, I did another, I guess it was a CT scanner something. And my oncologist believed that it was done and that I was done with treatment. So they ended it at four rounds. So I rang the bell and, um, you know, it was a really sweet day. My, it was during COVID. So my friends did a parade out front of the house for me. And it was just a sweet celebration. I crazy enough. Um, I took the chemotherapy called, they call the red devil and Mm. it has like a 99.9% chance of losing your hair. And I didn't lose my hair, which was wild. And at the time I thought it was great, but looking back, I think it was a sign that, you know, it probably wasn't working on me. Gotcha. Cause that's like the one chemo that you're like, you know, you'll for sure lose your hair. Yes. Yes. So, I had that nasty stuff. I know. Yeah. It's but horrible. yeah. So okay. I laid around a lot and 
you know, I was sick, but it was more, I was just really tired all the time. So I, I just couldn't be a mom, but the uh, COVID was actually a really big blessing for us because my husband got to be home and my mom's a teacher and she got to pretty much move in with us and take care of us. And there were like so many blessings that came from that because the kids are a lot and I mean, they're precious, but you, I didn't want to Jody to have to do all of it on his own. That's my husband's name, but we had yeah. a lot of help with us. Yeah. COVID was, it sounds so crazy because it, it really was such a blessing for cancer patients mm-hmm. in a way because yeah. the whole world was washing their hands. Like I know desperately need when you're yes. at fragile cancer patient. Mm-hmm. Everybody was wearing masks. You weren't like a weirdo anymore. Yeah. Everybody we were missing out. all the fun things. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You weren't missing out on the fun things. Yeah. yeah. You, you didn't feel like I'm the only one at home and, and everybody was afraid of a, an illness getting something. I know. Yeah. Kind of right alongside of, of you. And so it was yeah. like, I felt like the whole world became really empathetic towards cancer patients during COVID. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. So you, you did your treatment and then that so, in remission or. Well, they didn't know because they couldn't do okay. a PET scan. She okay. thought I was in remission and I'm, we still don't know if I was in complete remission and then I, relapsed or if I was just never in remission and then it just kept growing. Okay. But with stage one diffuse large B cell, the prognosis is awesome. It's like one of the quote, good cancers, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 70% chance of complete remission just from our chop. Okay. So anyways, I believed I was in remission and we were kind of trying to move on with our lives. And then I continue, um, she's continues to grow and we're, we have a lot of sonograms just to make sure that the chemo didn't affect her. Actually, after every treatment, we would rush over and get a sonogram to make sure her heart was still beating. It's kind of surreal thinking back on it now. Um, cause there's not a lot of documentation on pregnancy and chemotherapy. It's pretty rare. Um, but she, she was growing great. So I still, we were just kind of getting through that. And, um, then in June, I felt I was, taking a shower. And I just had this habit of feeling my neck where the tumor was and I felt it again. And it was, um, it had come back. And so I hadn't really researched much about relapse lymphoma because I just never even considered that that would happen. But I called my oncologist and, um, she very quickly decided that we needed to have this baby so that I could have a PET scan. So this was seven weeks early. Um, so she was six weeks early. Yeah. So she was born at 34 weeks. I had her two days after I felt the lump and, um, that was a whole nother story. Cause, um, she kind of had a hard time. She was five pounds, two ounces and was in the NICU for 11 days. And those were some really, really hard days. And I think that's when I was the angriest because I saw her suffering because of the illness that I had. And it just seemed so unfair that she had to be on oxygen and, you know, I couldn't even hold her for a while. And anyways, that was probably some of the hardest days of my life, but, um, we got through it and she got out of the NICU in 11 days and we came home. And I I remember just not knowing anything about what was next, but just soaking in her, 
I wanted a daughter since I think I was like a five-year-old little girl. And so the fact that I had one was pretty sweet. And so it was the best distraction. People are, people say stuff like, I can't believe you had to go through that with a newborn. And I'm like, I can't imagine not doing that with a newborn. Like she, I just wanted her all the time. She was my comfort. It was, it was a really sweet gift during a hard time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love hearing how God gives us unexpected blessings and yeah, until we go through something, we can't even understand or experience it. Like, you know, if you hadn't gone through that, you probably may have been one of those people that said, I don't know how that lady, you know, could, or how a lady could go through something and then you do, and you're looking for the blessings and, um, and it's so, so sweet. Oh my goodness. I think that was one of my biggest, what you just said, I think was one of my biggest takeaways of cancer period was I feel like there were moments where I was so focused on my own suffering that I missed the ways that God was loving and blessing me and my family. And so the moments like this, where I was looking for anything that would provide comfort and ways God was loving us and pursuing us. And I just see it so much easier than I used to. I feel like my eyes are more widened to him doing that. Yes. And one and needing that, needing to see his presence in that way, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. Okay. So you thought you were in remission. The, the tumor came back. You did more treatment. So I did, I had to wait a month for my body to heal from the C-section. And then I did a PET scan and it showed that it was just in the one spot. Okay. So, which again, gave us a lot of hope. Yeah. Um, so we just, decided to do radiation. So I did okay. 25 rounds of radiation. And again, the spot went away. And because since I physically saw it go away, I was pretty hopeful that this was going to be the end. And in December after radiation, and I got the PET scan confirming that I would be in remission, like both my oncologists believe that I would be, it had showed that the cancer had progressed to stage four and was in five different spots on both sides of my body. Mm. And even so that was after radiation. Yeah. So this was my second relapse. And um the prognosis of this is pretty awful. Less than 20% chance of survival. And for I just I couldn't even function. I just was at a loss at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. What was it a different diagnosis or it was the same diagnosis? Just stage. They had to do another biopsy, but it was the same cancer. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was diffuse large B cell kind of all over um, yeah. my body. Yeah. And so, um, as far as the timeline, when was that that you were? That was in December, exactly a year to the month after my first diagnosis. Okay. So, gotcha. So um, December of 2020, 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I had, so she was like six, seven months, six months old or seven months old at the time. Yeah. Okay. And you said you just felt completely broken. Would you give us a little glimpse into what that looked like in sure. everyday life? Yeah. Um, well, a sweet and hard part of it was I was just grappling with the idea that this might be my last fill in the blank. So my last Christmas with them. And so a lot of days that looked like me being angry and fearful and teary 
And then there were days that I just was able to soak it in and still live with joy. And I was just constantly trying my hardest, my own will to trust God in this. But what that looked like was I was more desperate in my prayer time and more desperate for um, his word to encourage me and more desperate for people to um, battle this spiritual battle with me, which they really did and spoke truth over me. And um, it was sweet looking back to see how you can live with such a, how do you say it? Just desperation for God's presence. And that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um which we can go more into that later, but um, I just, I was 36 years old and I just assumed that I would grow old with my husband and I just assumed I'd be able to raise my babies. And so just rethinking all of that and rethinking where my hope is, you know, my hope is not in raising my kids and growing old with my husband. My hope is in everlasting life that Jesus has provided, but that's just, in the big picture, I totally believe that it's just hard to live that in a daily life. And all I want to do is be here for my kids, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's why I asked, like, what did the day-to-day look like? Because it is so hard to do things, you know, like make your kids breakfast or mm-hmm. pick up your kid from carpool or whatever it is. Yeah. Like just putting one step in front of the other when you just feel so broken is yeah. it feels impossible. I remember doing carpool a couple of times and I'm really close with my kids, preschool teachers, a couple of them go to my church and they just had been praying for us. And I think for like two weeks straight, I was crying at drop-off or pickup every time. <laughs> so now when I go, it's like, all I want to do is I have a normal drop-off and pickup and it's like the best thing ever. Yes. But yeah. Yes. After that. yes. I, know you, I know you understand that. I do. I really do. I, I still am experiencing, um, after being almost two years out, I'm still experiencing things where I'm like this is what this should feel like. This is how mother's motherhood should be, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Make it super sweet. Yes. Yes. Even just, yeah. Like you said, carpool, you know, like making lunches. Like all I wanted to do is be able to stand there and feel good and make my kids a lunch for school. That's like all I wanted to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It really is such a reality check. I mean, there are, it's so easy to fall back into the complaining and grumbling of normal life, but Mm -hmm. it's cancer has been such a blessing because things like carpool when I feel like I'm the chauffeur all day long as I'm grumbling I can quickly be reminded that there was a time when I wasn't even able to pick my kids up or drop them off at carpool and it's a blessing nobody nobody is doing this for me it's just me in this car driving to get my I know I remember the first time after my next treatment I'll tell you about but the first time I was alone with all four of my kids taking care of them months later I was like this is the best day ever. <laughs> Nobody's babysitting me. Seriously. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Just on Thursday. So the day that we're recording, this is Monday and, and Thursday, I picked up my oldest and, um, 
I had our two neighbor girls and, um, I had my youngest. So I had four girls in my minivan and I'm driving up to my in-laws. We're going to go swimming in their pool. And I just was like, this is what my mom dreams are made of. Yes. I have so many moments like that. Yes. Giggly giggly little girls in the back. It's just Uh me and the girls. And this is, this is what I fought for. This is what I wanted to live so badly for just the simple little things. So Yeah. 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 I've always like really enjoyed motherhood. I feel like now after all this, I just have these moments of euphoria, like yes. these pinch me moments. I can't believe I'm getting to do this and feel good. Yes, you know? exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Oh, okay. But you said your next treatment. So talk yes. to us about what life looked like after you found out that it was stage four kind of all over your body. Yeah. So at this point, the next treatment is a stem cell transplant, which is what you had, correct? Yes, okay. exactly. So like, that's what I didn't want to do. Yeah, same. <laughs> know how hard it is. Yes. So there's another treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that's called CAR T cell therapy. And it's only four years FDA approved. Um, it's pretty new. And the more I read about it, the more that I wanted to do that treatment and felt like that was my best chance at cure because a stem cell transplant is only about a 20% chance of cure for, um, if you've relapsed within six months. So, um, for, for my particular cancer, so I don't qualify, you don't qualify for CAR T unless you failed two systemic treatments. And radiation didn't count since it wasn't systemic. So I had to pursue a stem cell transplant first before my, before any insurance would cover CAR T. So I basically, I I had to do this heavy chemo that I didn't want to do called rice. And did you do rice chemo? I did not. Anyways, um, I had to do it. And then we were praying that it would leave some cancer in my body so that I would qualify for CAR T. (laughs) So I'm doing this heavy cancer, not what heavy chemo, not wanting it to work. I cannot. Yeah. So that's when I lost my hair and, and that was tough, but, um, so it, it did, it left a little bit of cancer left. So therefore my oncologist who also wanted me to do CAR T um, was able to get me qualified for CAR T. So that chemo was just pointless, <laughs> but it's okay. It got me to I where cannot, I needed to be. I cannot imagine. It was like frustrating. Going through all of that. I know. Like, I hope this doesn't work. It's yeah. like such an out of, and, and my oncologist felt the same way. It's just, there's no way around it. Cause this, it's like a, the system's messed up it and CAR T is so, so expensive up. that yeah. insurances don't want to pay for it until yeah. you tried something else. Yeah. Anyway, so we were really thankful that that happened. And then I qualified for CAR-T and I did that in July of this past year. So 2021. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty wild. I, um, there's something called a cytokine release syndrome that basically CAR-T, they take your T cells out of your body and they re-engineer them to kill cancer and then put them back in your body. So you have to have a B cell cancer and these T cells kill all of your B cells, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's yeah. really crazy. My nurses said they feel like they're living in Jetson times because it's just wild. But when they put the cells back in your body, there's some wild side effects. And yeah. um, a lot of times people forget their name and their like brain stops working for a while and then it always comes back. But it's like your brain puts this barrier up. So 
it's a long story, but I, I had to like repeat these phrases to make sure that my brain was working. I had to write my name every six hours and all of these crazy things, but um, I ended up getting really sick and um, my body swelled up and I felt like I was breathing out of a cocktail straw. It was, I just, it was awful. Um, and I was constantly throwing up and lost 15 pounds and couldn't walk and couldn't stand up and couldn't see. Um, but so I was in ICU for 16 days. Luckily my husband could be there with me. The COVID restrictions had kind of died down a little bit. So I'm really thankful for that. Cause I have a friend that had to do CAR-T all by herself and that would have been, I can't imagine. Yeah. So he was there with me and we got through the high fevers and he helped me with walking and I was able to go home. Um, I, I think day 16 is when I was released to go home and I was walking with a cane. I was, I couldn't stand up for more than five seconds without getting dizzy. I had, my eyes were so bloodshot that I couldn't like my, my scared my kids to look at me. So I had to be real careful about that. Mm. With my youngest, um, and it was hard because I'd never been away from my baby for that long. So that was also another dynamic, which I know you dealt with too. That was tough. Yeah. But I slowly got better. And um, a month later, when I did my PET scan, I was in complete remission and it had worked. And I'd never been in remission this whole time. I don't think mm. the one that we don't know about, but yeah. it was the sweetest day. I was at the park and I got the call and I just started bawling and jumping up and down. And it was the best <laughs> feeling in the world. Yeah. You're making me cry. Just thinking yeah. about how good that must've felt for you. Cause that yeah. is, I know that feeling and it's so mm -hmm. sweet. It is. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Oh After so many bad phone calls, it was just the best to, yes. to, to hear good news. Yes. I know for me, when um, I would check, um, I, for some reason I would try so hard to be able to get my doctor's call like live. Oh would yeah. Me too. Miss. Yes. And it was always yes. a voicemail. And I like still oh, like this goodness. PTSD thing where I'm like scared to check voicemail. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so bad. And I like told all my friends, like, do not text me. Cause every time that day, cause every time my phone dings, I think it's my doctor and my heart starts beating hundred miles an hour. It's just so crazy. Like, I know you understand, but I was explaining it to a friend the other day and it's like, you're, you're, truly receiving a phone call to let you know if you're going to die or not. It's yeah. just like yeah. mind baffling that yes. you have to do that, you know? Yes. And it um, has caused me, I mean, I hope it has caused me to be so much more gracious towards other people because oh my goodness. you just never know. You don't know what somebody know. in the next car over or the yes. person tailgating you or the person like speeding mm -hmm. down the highway is going through. You don't know. I've thought that so many days. times, Allie. Yes. yes. You don't know the voicemail they just got. That they I know. Yeah. Like I was just playing at the park with my kids and nobody knew that I was waiting to find out. Yes. If I was going to live. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You just don't know. Like everybody mm -hmm. is truly walking such a hard road mm -hmm. and everybody, and everybody. Yes. Yeah. And cancer patients definitely included. Yeah. 
Thank you for joining us today. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in his word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart-to-heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift. Thank you.